0: Life Podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, a stress reduction coach who's all about helping you reduce your stress so you can actually enjoy your daily life. Imagine that. Now, today on the podcast, I'm really Pleased and honored to be joined by Joelle Tomlinson, who's the co-host of CTV Morning Live. I first met Joelle when I did a segment on CTV Morning, uh, one of my very first, and I remember being incredibly nervous, but Joelle is just such a welcoming human being. She's so smart. She makes you feel comfortable, and she really rocks her role as a morning co-anchor. So in this episode, we talk about Joelle's experience as an adopted child in a white family. She shares her experience uh, growing up uh, as an adopted child, how her parents handled it, and her incredible insight on how hurt people hurt people. We, we, I had to ask all the questions about what it's actually like the 24 hours in the life of a morning news co-anchor, what time she gets up, how she preps. Um, Because I know that when I I did my segment, there was a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes where I was like, it was just lifting the veil a little bit. It was really, really interesting. She also talks about her role as a spin instructor and what time she goes to bed. Because man, she wakes up at 2.45 every day. It's absolutely insane. Then we also dive into some harder content. So in 2015 Joelle lost her brother Stefan to an accidental fentanyl overdose and we talk about what this was like for Joelle not just as a sister as a family member but being on TV at the time and sort of sharing that story and why she thinks it was so powerful and valuable to share that story more broadly and the impact that her brother's death, death has made on her life. It's a really, really interesting interview. I had such, I had such a blast interviewing Joelle. I could have talked to her about so many things and we barely even covered the surface, but I think that you will enjoy today's episode. So for show notes, you can go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast 142. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. So I know you've heard me talk about it before, but it's just very timely uh, to talk about ATB's Entrepreneur Center. So ATB have entrepreneur centers in Calgary, Edmonton, Grand Prairie, and Lethbridge, and these are places where you can go for networking, mentoring, workshops, and banking all in one place for entrepreneurs. The reason I say it's timely is because I just did a workshop there this week. Now, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Monday to Friday, but they have workshops every single day of the week to support entrepreneurs, whether it's from wellness, which is what I was speaking about, whether it's from the nitty gritty of marketing and sales to budgeting, They have something going on every day and it's absolutely free. It is such a phenomenal resource for entrepreneurs at all stages of the game. So I highly recommend that you check them out. And they also do pop-up entrepreneur centers in different communities for about a month at a time. So definitely check them out and you can go to atbentrepreneurcenter.com. Now this particular episode has been brought to you by NorQuest Career Moves. So I'm just going to give it over to them. Your next career move is right around the corner, and NorQuest
1: College is here to help. Our new Career Moves Professional Development Program
0: will help you transition to new job opportunities. Funded by the Future Skills Center, we will provide one-on-one coaching, self-assessments, skill development and training, and up
1: to $2,000 in available tuition credit. Our focus is your success.
0: Make your next move. Apply today at norquest.ca slash careermoves. Okay, so without further ado, let's head into the episode with Joelle. Well, thank you so much, Joelle, for joining me on the podcast. I'm really pleased to have you here. You're so welcome. I'm happy to be here. So I first met you on CTV. Yes. (laughs) during those segments. And thank you so much for having me on. I was really excited. Oh, of course. Anything about stressing less, I'm, I'm all about it. Well, I was so fascinated because I think I had built up in my head like the magic of tv and there is a huge (laughs) magic of tv and then i was like this is like you guys are a well-oiled machine yes and you have to be like i'm gonna we'll skip around to a few things but i'm curious how did you get into media um into media that's oh that's a big one because media covers so much so
1: i uh knew i wanted to be a journalist from a really young age i i I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but if you remember that movie, um, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, yeah, yeah. Andy Anderson, and yeah. she's a columnist, and she does those funny articles. That was actually my first interest in writing and reading, which um, may seem kind of silly now, but you know, it piqued my interest. And when that movie came out, not to date myself, but I was probably around 10, yeah. 11, And actually, before you came here, I'd called my mom to ask her how long I had been talking about being a journalist. And she said from the time I was like five or six. So something that I was always really into. Um, When I was in high school, I had one certain English teacher, uh, shout out to Mr. Daw, if he's listening, uh, and he kind of picked up on my writing ability and nurtured it and encouraged it, gave me some extra work. And from there on in, I was told about Ryerson University, which was and still is one of the really well known schools to go to journalism for. So, Ryerson and Carleton are both really, really well known schools when it comes to getting your journalism degree. And at 17, I up and moved to Toronto. And I studied journalism for four years. And at 21, I moved back to Saskatchewan, started in print journalism. And uh, I was really lucky because I was a local gal and I had a lot of great connections in Saskatoon. And within a year, I was uh, reporting for Global News Saskatoon.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the
1: news director there had known of me and she'd given me a call when a position opened because when I was an eager beaver, I was about 18. I think I was interning for free for them, just trying to do stories while I waitressed on the side in between uh, semesters for university. So that's, that's a long story short,
0: but that's pretty much my big foray into journalism. And yeah. now I'm where I am today. So were you like, if you're doing this since you're five, were you just always <laughs> inquisitive? Was it like yeah. is it the story that appeals to you or? I think so. I, um, I even used to
1: have a local newspaper. I would write about the happenings of our household and, and the block. So, I, you know, we yeah. had a bike club in Saskatoon and I would write about the bike club and I would write about anniversaries and engagements and, uh, <laughs> There's one that my mom had put up on Facebook a couple of years ago, and it's like, extra, extra, read all about it. And it's all spelt wrong. And- clip art? <laughs> there was a lot of clip art. <laughs> yes. Like- I, I was proficient in clip art. Yeah. You know, that was the thing. And we had one big computer downstairs that, you know, it probably took an hour to write a sentence. It was so slow. But uh, yeah, I, I was definitely always an inquisitive child, and I was a big reader, yeah. like book after book after book. I, Lord of the Rings was my favorite. I think I was reading that in single digits. Yeah. Um, the Hobbit, I think, was my first chapter book that I yeah. ever read. Uh, my dad also, bless him, he's, he's a bit of a bookworm. So yeah. he would pass on his books to me and uh, he would have me read the newspaper in the morning. And I actually grew up watching the news. We only had three channels. So yeah. we had CTV. Because we're both so old. CB, so I know, the bunny ears. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, did yeah. just the three channels. Mm-hmm. So I had CBC, CTV, and Global. And um, I even remember watching Ian Ham announcing growing up. And now we're both in the same industry. So oh it, it just definitely feels surreal. And a talkative, a talkative kid. Yeah. yeah. My nickname was actually Gabby.
0: Oh, what's it? Yep. there you go yeah.
1: by I think it was my grandfather that named me that but just chatting all the time and um, while I was having that conversation with my mom just a few minutes ago she was saying uh, your your dad and I would have to make sure our stories correlated because you asked so many questions and sometimes we just didn't know the answers so we would have to make sure we had good stories to tell you that were yeah.
0: believable, and I was like, "Mom, so you, are you lying to me?" And she says, "Well, you know, stretching the truth." <laughs> she <laughs> says, "When you're a parent someday, maybe you'll understand." <laughs> I know. I'm trying to figure out when my kid's gonna start asking me about Santa Claus. Oh yeah, that's a dangerous one. My seven-year-old niece doesn't believe anymore. Oh, oh that breaks sad. my heart. That's
1: that's really sad. I yeah. tried
0: to catch Santa Claus with a camera. Did
1: you? Yes. I ran out with a camera. For the newspaper? My, yes, <laughs> yeah. This is, this is, yeah, exactly. We've yep. front page news. Uh, we ran out with the camera. We took a picture. That film never developed. Hmm. There was somebody in the house putting presents under the tree who got caught in that picture, but we'll yeah. never know who.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So when I was sort of Googling you and doing yeah. my research and whatnot, I found... I, And I think I first found this out through your Instagram feed Mm -hmm. or whatnot, that you are adopted. Yes. And an open adoption. Mm. And so can you tell me a little bit about what that was like growing up? How early did you know? How did your parents tell you this? Yeah, um,
1: it's a huge part of who I am. My adoption story is a little different than than many in the sense that I'm African American and they're both white. So there was no surprise yeah. like you know yeah. there was I I'm pretty sure I, I could figure that one out pretty quickly that yeah. um, I was obviously not biological I had the advantage uh, my older brother Stefan was adopted as well so he was adopted from another family in Saskatoon and I was adopted from um, a young woman named Jocelyn I think she was about 16 17 at the time and her partner at the time who was Solomon and I think it was not it, my parents were struggling to have kids and had applied through a agency that no longer exists called Christian counseling and they place you uh, with the kid and I think that was a really positive experience for them and Jocelyn had been looking for a family and I think the first preference was to go uh, to actually black parents right so just identity wise I think it might have been maybe less confusing for a young um, African-American in Saskatchewan too yeah keep in mind it's a pretty whitewashed city at the time yeah and um she saw a picture of my brother who's half Jamaican with my two parents and she decided that would be the family because she wanted me to have an older brother who understood what I was going through so I mean I feel like I hit the jackpot I got an older brother out of it who was also mixed who was understanding what I would be going through Um, my parents were just really open about it Jocelyn was always a part of my is still part of my life I just grew up thinking everyone had birth moms like I had a birth mom and I had my mom and I just thought, you know, it's great. I have this extra mom that loves me and comes around for, you know, my birthdays and Christmas and and obviously more times beyond that. And they had an agreement that I would dictate how the relationship went. So um, obviously I, I loved having her in my life. She was at my high school grad. Uh, we're still in touch. She's in Saskatoon. Yeah. And um, so it was never, you hear those stories where people are, are caught off guard or they find out they're adopted yeah. and it just it wrenches them, you know, from their sense of yeah. reality. I never had that. Um, I was always very open about being adopted. My friends all knew obviously, yeah. uh, that I was adopted, but yeah, there's definitely things that come with it. I mean, you, you wonder about personality quirks, yeah. you wonder the nature versus nurture thing, you know, it's, it's a big mystery. How much do you get from each side? I'm very much like my dad, but you know, then I hear that I have certain things that are like Jocelyn. I, do not know my father mm-hmm. um, I know his name and uh, that's about it but my parents will say I like I look quite a bit like him yeah um, he was quiet so I definitely didn't get that um, and then the athletic side so he was a runner and a soccer player and that wasn't really Jocelyn's forte yeah and I was always really drawn to running yeah. and soccer and sports and they say you know they you always speculate right like what do you get yeah from your genetic side so yeah, I really you know, I love I there's still so many things to figure out. Yeah. I'm twenty nine and I still haven't completely figured out the adoption thing, but I do know it's made me want to adopt in the future. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You wrote this really interesting piece about how adopted children have this like ghost of what like sliding doors moment of what their life could have been like. Right. Does that still come up for you or not so much?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it came up for me more so when I was younger. Um you know, in your early twenties, you're still really figuring yourself out. Not that I'm even close to figuring myself out and you'll probably agree. We, we never figure ourselves <laughs> <No>. <laughs> out, but um, I think there's a lot of big identity jumps when you're at that age, because you are separating from some of your friends, you're learning who you are, you're becoming an adult. Yeah. Um, there are certain moments in my life where I look back and I just think, thank goodness, like, you know, thank goodness that I am where I am. I mean, in terms of, the the ghost of what your life could have been. I mean, I don't know where I would be. My parents are the reason I went to Ryerson University. My parents are the reason that I was so passionate about academics because they were really passionate about academics. And they were really passionate about multi sport so i was in every sport you could imagine and, and my friends can attest to this i would go from lacrosse practice to soccer practice to track to piano lessons and
0: how did you I, have time to I, study
1: i you know what i don't even know i you can ask them that but uh somehow managed to squeeze it in but um there's definitely i don't know how you put it i i still see jocelyn's family and i have three younger half brothers and one of them actually has a son now and he's lovely his name is dante but it's it's interesting being there and being part of the family because i'm not i never feel like i'm 100 percent part of it yeah and it's not meant as a hurtful thing to them because i know they love me and they want me to participate and they they love when i'm over you know for for christmas i like to stop by and you know birthdays and such but it's it's tough. I don't think people always think about the adopted person in that case because yeah. it's um it's not quite your family, right? Yeah. It is your family, but it's not the family that you grew up with. Um and you have to kind of navigate that without hurting anyone. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I'm really sensitive to trying not not to hurt people's feelings because everyone, you know, is happy to be a part of each other's lives. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think I would be where I am. I think, I wonder if I'd be a completely different person. Yeah. I mean, who
0: knows? It's interesting, like, just imagining what our lives would be like in different scenarios for all sorts of reasons, right? Totally. Like, I mean, my... I've talked about this to a lot of people recently, but my parents got divorced just a couple of years ago. Huh. And I, it's one of those things where I, I sometimes think, well, they should have gotten divorced when I was a kid, but I'm like, I'm very grateful they didn't. Cause what are all right. the different moments that would have changed in my life and led to me maybe not having my husband and my kids and all that kind of Completely. stuff. Like you know, tiny little things that could change the course of your history. Right. And that's how I feel having,
1: I'm so lucky to have Jocelyn and my mom. Cause I, I learned things from both of them. And yeah. I feel like my mom, Faye, has taught me so many things by just being the really like strong, kind caregiver that she is. Um, and I try to emulate that, but to her, it comes very naturally yeah. to me, not so much. And from, for Jocelyn, like I admire her resiliency so much, like put yourself in, in a 17 year old shoes making that decision. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I owe her the life I have now. I mean, obviously I do owe her the life I have now. Yeah. She, she's my, was my birth mom, but, um, I just – I don't think she even knows how much I admire her for that decision yeah. because sometimes when I try to put myself in her shoes and then imagine also watching other parents raise yeah. your daughter, right? Like that – Hard. I couldn't <laughs> – like, I can't yeah. imagine. Like Unless you're in the position, I don't think you can imagine. And I think um, other parents out there, birth parents, are probably agreeing. It's, yeah. it's likely very painful but also probably very rewarding as well to see yeah. them thrive. Yeah. Yeah, I pff- – it's adoption is a complicated thing (laughs) for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. You spoke about how at the time Saskatoon, you know, quite a whitewashed city uh, and you're growing up with two white parents. Mm -hmm. What do you face bullying or any challenges like that in school or in public? You know,
1: there's, I feel like I was really lucky in the sense that um, I have always had really great friends. Like from the get go, I, you know, I, I got really lucky, um, And I hope they feel the same way, but I've kept many of them for most of my life, some of them 25 years. Um, So I was really protected in the sense that I had, I have really, for lack of a better word, colorblind, accepting friends. Um, With that being said, a lot of them don't actually realize things that I've been through having been um, African-American growing up in a city like Saskatoon. I love Saskatoon. We'll yeah. put that out there. It's probably my favorite city in the entire world. Um, and the people are just amazing. But, but the prairies um, in it's, general. It, like it it's is, right? Yeah. Alberta has it yeah. too. Yeah. And I remember that one of the first times I remember experiencing racism was I was walking home from school and this boy was following my brother and I, and he, he kept calling our skin, and I'll censor it, but he kept calling our skin um, poopy, right? He said, you're the color of poop, but he obviously mm. didn't use that word. Yeah. And I didn't really understand why he was saying this. Like he was saying it with like, just, just disgust in his voice. Yeah. So I started crying and my brother, I think they actually ended up getting in a little bit of a scuffle, but I went home and I had to say to my parents, like, why, you know, and he was saying my eyes were also the color of that. So I I went home and I, I remember talking to my parents and I don't, I don't remember specific words or anything like that, but um, I'm sure that must've just wrenched them apart. You know, having your two kids come home and, being picked apart for their color. And, and then I think it was a few years later, a kid called me the N word at school. And um, I, that one, that one hurt. I remember hearing it. And at that point I hadn't fully understood the context of Mm -hmm. the word, but you can tell when someone says that word and they mean it, like it comes from just, just such a place of hate, but it also, it came from a child. So it saddens me to to know it was taught to this child. Now that I look back with an adult eye, I realized that that kid was also in a very vulnerable situation. You know, he was indigenous. Um, I do believe he was um, not in a good home situation. I I remember him very clearly. So I'm not giving him a pass, but that was a tough one. And then I had to talk to my parents about that. And they, my parents, we were raised in the church. And they always just said, you know, the golden rule is how we live our life. So, you know, you have to brush these things off and you have to kill them with kindness. And yeah. I know that's a cliche sentence, but it's really true. You can, you can get away with a lot if you just put a smile on your face and try, try to ignore it. Sometimes it's not so ignorable and you have to stand up for yourself. Um, I've done that too. And it, it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does. If you just call it out for what it is, Yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty eye opening to see the way people respond because they don't always expect you to fight back. So, um, I also was really lucky to have parents that were also pretty colorblind themselves. You know, they, both of them from small towns, one in Ontario, one in Saskatchewan, and both the most accepting people, you know, that you could, you could ever meet. And I just love them so much for that. But um, I know that they dealt with, they dealt with it as well and would try to kind of keep it from us, I think. Um, I know, uh, you know, I can't remember what the term is. It's, it's not, it's something like accidental racism. So
0: right.
1: even in the church, right? Uh, older generations.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah. <laughs> so calling your new adopted kid nappy, not okay. Happened, <laughs> happened on multiple occasions. So my parents had to learn how to teach others yeah. <laughs> how to refer to these kids. Right. Or um, we were refused service one time in Whitefish, Montana. I didn't know it was because of me. But it was, and I saw my dad get worked up and we left the restaurant and they only explained it to me years later, what had happened. Yeah. But I think in those, in those cases, um, I'm just glad not to be, not to have to dealt with it at that point, but I'm also glad my parents protected me in that yeah. instance. Cause I, I think I was 12 or 13 when that happened. And now I'm, I'm pretty good at standing up for myself because they're, uh, unfortunately it still happens to this day. You wouldn't know it, but it does. <laughs> I would love to think that it doesn't, but I'm not that naive. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. got a just got a really fun letter sent to the station that was pretty racist undertones, so i, I think people need to understand that it still exists. I yeah. think a lot of people oh, we're getting better as a society. Yeah. I, I don't completely agree with that. Um I think certain people are, but I also think certain people are getting emboldened by our political climate. Um, and unfortunately slipping backwards but I mean that's a whole conversation for another day (laughs) moving on yeah exactly
0: (laughs) so um okay let's talk a little bit about your role at CTV then or and and it was it CTV in Saskatoon as well no it was global news global news okay it is so fast-paced yes and like I I think there's so much I didn't realize goes on behind the scenes like you source most of your own stories as well right Mm -hmm. like as as an on-air anchor what does a I want to say day, but it starts at like 2.45 in the middle of the night. What does does a regular 24-hour
1: period look like for you? The nice thing is, so um, in terms of sourcing, so we source our interviews. So the live interviews that come in, the four-minute segments, the news chats, we source all of that. So that's what we source. Thankfully, we don't have to go out and collect our own news. So that's the one thing that saves us, I think. Um, Not the one thing, but it's one thing that uh, thankfully, we don't have to do yeah. because I think it would be next to impossible. So, I get up around two forty-five, three, lay in my bed and stare at the ceiling for about ten minutes and ponder life. Yeah. <laughs> and have then, you ever been late? Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> like slept over yes. the alarm. Uh, I have in my how old am I? Twenty-nine. In my eight-year career, I have missed the opening of the show once, <gasps> and it was in Calgary. Oh no. Oh yeah. yeah. They did not let me live that one down. It was pretty bad. I didn't look so good on the show that day oh, either. No. Yeah, that was not a fun wake up. So I will get up, typically shower. I'm one of the few morning news anchors that does shower in the morning. And that's not calling them out. It's because I have the curliest hair in the world. Right. So I, you can't sleep on this hair. Yeah. And then go into work because it just it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. I look like Macy Gray in the morning, right? <laughs> so I get up, I, uh, I head into work and... The, the fun thing about morning news and the thing that I love about morning news is we hit the ground running and from that moment on, it doesn't slow down, but you come in fast and hard and heavy and then everything starts to get a little bit easier as the shift goes on. Right. It's the opposite for evening news. You come in, you start yeah. to collect your news and then things pick up, pick up, pick up and you have a deadline at the end of the day. Our deadline, I mean, our show starts at 530 in the morning. Yeah. So the deadline's done by 530, right? So. We sit down. Um, Jefferson's in even earlier than me. He's my co-host. Um, and he, he's figured out the live, where our live reporter is going. I come in. I start to edit and write uh, by by 4.15. And it's basically 45 minutes of like nose down, writing, editing, yeah. tweaking, setting up the show. We People start to trickle in. We all have different start times. We've got some amazing producers and, and writers on the show and an amazing director as well. And... I run to the makeup room at about 5, do my hair and makeup. I'm out of there by 5.15, and then we're wired up, and the show kicks off at 5.30. And then once 5.30 rolls around, um, that's when I start looking ahead to my interviews that I've already booked for the day. So typically I will cold call or email these people. Um, They can be news items. You know, Haley Wickenheiser getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Sports of Fame really cool let's see if we can get her into chat about it or it can be seasonal you know I have last minute surprise Christmas gifts yep. you know um, coming up but uh, and, and with you right a stress less around the holidays yep. kind of segment which is great and seasonal and you can fill four minutes and it's great so I will have anywhere from one to four interviews in a morning so depends how I stack my day up yep. and it depends how many of the other co-hosts have slid in there as well yeah and then by nine shows wrapped and from nine to noon it's it's all over again but that's where it slows down so that's when i get in my comfy sweater slip my slippers on yes i have slippers at the office (laughs) uh and then i start deciding what i want to book on the show so uh, i'll book typically anywhere from one to three weeks out yeah and and fill the show up the hard one to convince people in is that 615 slot but if you're listening 615 is a great viewership slot so is it actually yes the earlier, the better because uh, I guess you've people got people out ready, the door. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But um, And you don't have to face traffic
1: getting No there. traffic. You don't have to worry about being late. Yeah. Um, a lot of people throw their TVs on while they're getting ready and the kids are watching and it, it, not nothing wrong with an eight thirty slot, but you're going to have more viewers earlier yeah. in the morning. So fun little pro tip for anyone trying to get on morning yeah. television.
0: Yeah. And for you too. <laughs> there you go. Good to know. Yeah. Oh, man, and then that... I'm
1: home. And then I'm and then I uh I teach spin as well. So I do that in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah.
0: W- evening
1: when do you go to bed? <laughs> oh, number one question. <laughs> I have figured out that to get enough sleep it should be seven thirty. Seven to seven thirty. I get to bed around nine thirty, I okay. would say. So that's not much sleep. Girl. No, no. I, I would say I'm definitely sleep deprived. Right. Yeah. I, I do feel as though I function off little sleep though. Yeah, I feel like that's different. been my MO. You hear people who say they need to get eight hours. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm a person that you're one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I need eight. Um, I definitely know I need more than what I have though, because yeah. I, I could, I could close my eyes right now and probably start just sleeping right in front of you. I imagine
0: though that spin in the evening must like energize (laughs) you up, up, right? So like maybe (laughs) napping is the way to go for you. I do nap. I do nap, um,
1: not daily, but uh, I nap when I really need it. Um, I had a little shut eye before you got here actually. But yeah, yeah, so my one class is at 6.30, which is, it's a tough one because I get home around eight and I'm pretty amped up. And then the one I actually teach tonight is, is 530. And that one I like a little bit more because I get, I get some downtime afterwards and then I'm, I slide into bed, but yeah, it's pretty, I, I wish there was a one to 2 PM class, but
0: nobody would come to that because everybody, you know, is working normal hours. You say that, but the bar studio that like I go to sometimes in the middle of the day and those afternoon stuff, they're really it's the stay at home yeah moms and dads you're yeah. right okay maybe I've got to start a
1: thing maybe, maybe. I got to talk to my boss
0: <laughs> I don't know I mean it's like there's the babies and moms and babies classes right. but then there's the actual like eh, oh yeah babies know. do not want to be in my spin classes no that would be a little <laughs> crazy it's a little stimulation <laughs> so what is it that spin gives you like what is it that being an instructor oh, gives you oh I love it
1: um a sense of community that's a huge part of spinning. Um, when I moved here, I knew no one, actually. I don't right. think I had one friend in Calgary. Um, pretty scary that, to go from being surrounded by friends and yeah. constantly having a full social calendar to being like, huh, I wonder if anyone wants to hang out with me today. So I immediately got hooked up with this spin studio in Calgary, Stacks Cycle, um, through a mutual friend back in Saskatoon This from the spin studio. yeah, And... Um, I think one thing that's really beautiful about exercise and movement and group exercise is like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. You're getting people that have dragged themselves out of their bed, have dragged themselves, you know, out of their house after work when they really want to be laying on the mm-hmm. couch, put their shoes on and gone to do something good for themselves yeah. um, and healthy. And they've gone to be inspired or, you know, some people, I, I see them in class and I'm like, they are here to be Motivated, yeah. or some people I'm like, they're sad, they're here to get away from something and they're here just to escape for 45 minutes. Yeah, um, then you got your hype artists who just you know they're just there because they want to party, yeah. And all of these people come together, and it's it's like, it's I've cried many times in spin class, yeah. It sounds silly, but there's something really amazing about everyone moving together mm-hmm. and, and cheering each other on. So, I would say, just a sense of success and yeah. contentment and and yeah definitely community i think that's the yeah. the number one word for me and my best friends in calgary are now all yeah. from spin.
0: i actually interviewed marla bros from bar, oh, bar body yeah. studio and we talked about like the power of music and how it oh. can like it can hype you up or it can get you emotional or you can right. cry and then adding movement into it like and it's moving just with so the music, and then yeah.
1: adding it into a group aspect where you're yeah. all moving together i say that in my classes i say uh, music's a universal language mm-hmm. it it truly is like what other thing is there that you don't have to understand the words yeah um you don't have to know the person next to you but you but you, you want to sway with them and move with them yeah. and be inspired with them it's i love music i yeah. think it it's one of the most important things in
0: life yeah yeah is there like an alter ego joelle that is the instructor versus ctv <laughs> joelle versus you at home Joel. you almost have to ask my writers who are
1: also viewers because they they're the ones that tease me but I would say well is a bit more risque and not, not in a, not in like a sexy way in like a, you know, I'm louder. I'm a bit more vibrant. Probably I I get off the bike and I'll dance around. Uh, I mean, I grew up as a competitive athlete, so I would say just a lot more, more of a boss. I would say like you have to really dominate the room, um, my voice will drop a decibel, um, just to really, I have heard these videos
0: and I'm like, this doesn't sound like you. I'm
1: confused. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't want to say your spin voice, um, because it's not so much a spin voice, but it's your authoritative voice. Yeah. You want people to pay attention like low and slow. That's, that's what you learn. That's the first phrase I learned when learning how to anchor. Yeah. You're not asking, you're telling, right. You're not questioning, you're letting people know what the deal is. So, it's kind of nice because my two worlds intersect because I have to be authoritative on the desk. Um, People need to know what I'm saying is something they can trust. Yeah. And people want to trust me as a spin instructor too. So yeah, I've worked with a lot of people on voicing in spin. It's actually one of my strengths, which I think really translates from working in media. Yeah. Yeah. You, but you're right. You've probably watched some spin videos and you're like, ah, she's scary. It's
0: not scary, <laughs> but I'm like, where does this depth come from? Yeah, like, your diaphragm. It's yeah. all your diaphragm, baby. Yeah. And I, I imagine that also helps save your voice, right? Because yes. like I do a lot of public speaking. And mm-hmm. if, if you have a few days in a row of that, Absolutely. Like, I don't know how you do it every day, but it's like, <laughs> I can some, lose my voice easily.
1: Um, I was trained by this amazing woman, Natasha. Well, Ta- uh, Tashi, training by Tashi. That's what it is. And um. She actually had vocal cord surgery. Amazing instructor, but speaking from her throat. So it's something that she uses as a story to tell all of us instructors that she trains. Speak from your diaphragm. You are not speaking from the top of, like, you're not speaking from the area in your throat. You're using that power in your diaphragm and then speaking out of the top of your head. Yeah. So... It does. And on top of it, I mean, we're sprinting on a bike. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta make sure you save some breath for that as well, because yeah. you're instructing and you're sprinting and you're hyping and you're jumping. Um, but I definitely have a rasp to my voice that I did not have five years ago. So yeah. I do get concerned sometimes because I talk, for, you know, four hours in the morning. Yeah. And then I, then I, then I yell for a living in the evening. Yeah. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm very quiet. Otherwise you'd be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Saving
0: awful. my voice. So I, on the tv front we'll go back to yeah. ctv for a second i literally did a three minute three minute segment with you the stressless back to school whatnot yeah. and the email that i got from a viewer berating me for the use of maple syrup in a suggested recipe instead of honey and how i was oh, doing damage to the i was like i was a four minute segment what yeah. is this like for like you or for courtney being pregnant with twins mm. or for like what is this that you have to deal with? Oh, the public eye. It can be a blessing and
1: a curse. Um, I'm sorry that happened to you. Oh, I kind of
0: took it as this was not
1: meant for me. This is their <sighs> Yeah, <problem." laughs> just pass that right on to the junkie inbox. That's what I do with a lot of them. Um, yeah, uh, people are very, very brave behind their keyboards. People are very brave when they don't have to actually face the person that they're speaking to because otherwise people are generally, they'll stay in their lane. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always want to say to these people, okay, now, Come to CTV and tell me that to my face. Mm -hmm. Courtney, actually, you know, I was surprised and very happy because... Calgary really embraced her, um, yeah. pregnant on air and, and she was pregnant with twins. And that's, so, this is not
0: normal for most co-hosts of what it, I've heard about, of, it, uh, sorry, of most, uh, TV presenters being pregnant that it's usually it's the usually n-
1: You see a lot of stories out there where they get some horrendous feedback and yeah. I mean, that blows my mind. A woman yeah. is growing a human inside of her and you are going to call her uh, terrible names. I, yeah. I really can't wrap my head around that one. Um, yeah. I don't really understand it. I still don't understand it to this day, but Yeah, I think Courtney, and if you talk to her, it was really nice. She had a lot of supportive viewers. Um, but that that is not normal. So she she had a great experience, and you know maybe she didn't talk about the bad ones because that that happens. I tend to be a target. I don't really know um what it is. We we make jokes with my friends like oh they they just hate my face, but um yeah everyone's kind of got their thing. So. Courtney's gotten berated for, you know, someone, someone won't like her voice. And, you know, I've gotten berated. Typically, typically it is my face for some reason. A lot of people take offense with it. I don't really know what it is. I can make some guesses. And then, and then you'll get the ones where obviously people are upset about the content that you're espousing there. I think people think we're not people, certain viewers may think that we are making things up, we do not make up news. Yeah. Um, we take the information that's presented to us and then we present it to you in a manner to which um, everyone can understand it. Yeah. So, I mean, that is journalism. We take current events and then we tell you what the current events are. We aren't, you know, I'm not supporting. It's not an opinion show. It's I'm not a... supporting any of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just laying it out on the table for you. Um, I had mentioned earlier in the podcast that I got a pretty nasty letter um, and it was a handwritten letter. And it was, um, it was, it had 10 men's names at the bottom. So, uh, and who knows what the situation is. It could be one person who maybe has some mental health issues Mm -hmm. and they just signed off 10 names, or there could be 10 people out there that really hate me in Calgary. And with that being said, I mean, it goes back to being a kid and my parents telling me about the golden rule because I mean, all I can continue to do is treat people with kindness and respect and hope I get it in return. Because those people, I don't want to be their friends. I don't want to know yeah. them. I don't want to live in whatever world that they are living in, um, particularly if there's you know any racial con- um, implications in, in the, the letters, which there typically is. But you do develop a very thick skin. Yeah. A very thick skin. Um, when I first started, it used to get to me, yeah. um, but I was 21. And now some of them you'll laugh at. Um, sometimes it's someone who <laughs> – sometimes I'll get – Um, some older women who really don't like makeup. So I'll get, I'll get makeup advice. I imagine you get a lot of fashion comments. (laughs) Yeah, fashion, fashion advice, uh, makeup advice. Uh, Those ones I just kind of chuckle at and and hit delete. But yeah, there's, I, I have very rarely responded. I have responded and... I tell you, I respond and you don't get a response back because yeah. I think they're shocked that there's a human on the end of the other end of that insult. Yeah. Um, there was one time I was called a word that I just really wasn't okay with. And it was me and my co-host at the time that were called it um, back in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And I just wrote back to her and I said, next time you want to call someone that, um, I want you. And I, I Facebooked this person because I wanted to see what their situation was. And there was... Two of her um, grandkids in the photo, mm-hmm. and I just said, I just want you to imagine someone saying that to your children or your grandchildren, and then I want you to type it and send it and see if, how it feels. And someone had passed that advice on to me, and I think it's great. Like next time you want to say something awful about someone, imagine them saying it about someone you love. Yeah. I mean, it's
0: it's stopped me before, yeah. right? So. Yeah. No response. <laughs> yep. No, I can imagine. No response. So not only are you dealing with sort of feedback, good yeah. or bad, from yeah, individuals, good too. but you're also going through your own life and being on air. Yeah. So you had shared with me um your experience of losing your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was tough. What was that like to go through
1: in the public? In eye. general, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a really tough one. That was 2013. So. At the time, um, I was a live reporter for Global in Saskatoon and I had gotten the call on the weekend that my brother had unfortunately passed away due to a accidental fentanyl overdose. At the time, I didn't know that's what it was. It was just a drug overdose and it like it rocked my world. So, I mean, I don't remember much from that week surrounding it. I remember collapsing physically and emotionally. Uh, I remember calling my co-host who's actually my co-host today, Kevin, I was co-hosting with him back in Saskatoon. I now co-host with him in Calgary. Yeah. He's married to Courtney. It's a small world. Um, and I just, I said, please tell everyone, um, and, and please tell them I won't be in. Yeah. You know, it's weird. It was one of my first calls It was to tell work I wasn't going to be in. I don't think your mind works straight. Yeah. And I was living on my own at the time in my condo. So my dad had come over and kind of scraped me off the floor and took me home. So that was really, really hard. He was 25. Mm -hmm. So um, not only that, it, it was also kind of a news item because fentanyl wasn't a big news story yet. Yeah. So it was bound to get covered in the news. So this is a pretty unique situation to be a reporter and then have this tragedy. Let's roll it back for a second. I see tragedies all the time. I write I write about them, I report them, I I had anchored about them. I'd been on scene. Never had it happen to me. So the moment it happens to you and you're on the other side of it, um, nothing can prepare you for that. Yeah. Nothing can prepare you for that. So I took my bereavement time and I came back and it was, it was hard because I had to plaster a smile on and go do fun segments as a live reporter when really, I mean, I was so broken up inside. And my anchor at the time, Lisa Dutton has the biggest heart in the world and I would see her break up about it. And you know, she has sons too. So I think, you know, everything, everyone applies back to your life, but um, it was really tough. And then our family made the decision that we should share what had happened to Stefan because no one really knew. Uh, we were being kind of close mouthed about it, but I was in a unique position. I mean, if you have the power to perhaps save another person from what happened to Stefan, I think you should use that power and utilize it for the greater good. Not an easy decision to make, mm-hmm. um, but I went to my news director and I, I said, you know, I'm I'm willing to share the story with you guys. It was a drug overdose. Um, it was laced. I think we need to get this story out there. And so I, I shared it. We had a reporter cover the story and come talk to my family. I shared it on the morning news. That was really hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think we got through without crying. Um, but it was it was huge. I must have received, I don't even know, uh, close, to, close to a thousand messages from a lot from mothers. Mm-hmm. Just being like, thank you. I showed this to my son. Thank you. I showed this to my brother. Um, or other people who the exact same thing had happened to them was really hard I, I combed through every single one of those emails it took me a long time but um it just reinforced the fact that you should share these stories and I'm yeah. not pressuring anyone to share it don't share if you don't want to but like if I know that one kid read that and yeah. and won't do what Stefan did and experiment with these things I mean that's that's the point and he struggled with his mental health so we talk about mental health and we talk about grieving and grieving during the holidays yeah. it's a whole special thing so I think that experience, um, made me such, well, so much more of an empathetic anchor and an empathetic reporter. And when I, oh, when those stories come across my desk, whenever a fentanyl story comes across my desk, I do not know that viewers know that I struggle to read every single one of them. When I hear of a kid that's passed away or whatever, like I have to choke it back sometimes. So I think sometimes viewers don't know that, like we are very human and we have gone through the things you've gone through. Yeah. So I do think it made me a stronger and kinder person overall. Not something I wish on anyone, but it, it does make you pretty resilient.
0: How has it, obviously in so many ways, but how has it impacted your sort of outlook on life and how you approach life? Yeah, that's it's, it's tough when you lose
1: someone um, tragically, like when it's not their time. I think that's when you start uh looking at the whole life is short thing, right? You hear it. It's a very flippant statement. You know, life is short, life is short. But when someone's life is actually cut short and then there's all this potential that's just gone. Yeah. That's when you start reflecting it back on yourself. Well, what do I want to achieve? Like what impact do I want to make on the world? I mean, Stefan didn't get to do any of that. He barely traveled. He I mean he made a huge impact on the world in my mind, in his little sister's eyes. But I'm like, okay, so who do I want to influence? Like, what do I, what do I want to do? Like, who do I want to meet? And what do I want people to think of me even? And not in the way I'm worried about what people think of me, but how am I going to make other people feel when I interact with them?
0: Yeah, what's the legacy?
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I can't remember what the quote is, but it it's something about how you should always be concerned with, you want to be remembered for the way you made them feel. Nothing yeah. else, right?
0: Something to do with that. So I, I think, think it's Maya it, Angelou. She said, people won't remember what exactly. you said or what you did they'll or remember how you like, made them feel yes like. yeah. and i think
1: that quote is exactly what happened to me after stephen died because yeah. it, it changed the way also that i thought of you know sometimes you have interactions with people and they're not pleasant but you don't know what they've been through yeah and i, I know we say that as a society but you really don't know because i've had off days and i've thought about it after and i, oh, I did not treat that person right yeah but you don't know, like I, you know, I had just come from a funeral, you know, I had just buried my brother. They don't know that they could walk away saying that girl is a jerk. And it's, so now I think about that when I maybe don't get treated the way that I believe I deserve to be treated. But yeah. So the thing that I, uh, there's that, um, I really try to treat everyone with respect now. Um, and I really am trying to get all of the things I want to do in my life in because you never know yeah you know you never know I was hesitant to travel because I wanted to save money get this for retirement I was that I'm that person mm-hmm. well I immediately after he passed I went to Iceland to run a marathon that I'd wanted to run I have backpacked Europe now Thailand Mexico by myself all because I'm like you never know you know and it's 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 a scary lesson to put out there but you i mean life changes in the blink of an eye
0: you also hear of people who saved for retirement to travel when they they retired and then they're physically unable to exactly like so it's just things
1: like that right and then um the other thing that i think it changed in terms of me as a human being is um knowing that situations do not apply to stigmas does yeah. that make sense? Like like drug overdoses don't only happen to vulnerable yeah. certain looking type of families that grew up in certain parts of the city. Like we are a middle class, yeah, well to do, educated pub- in the public eye. My mom is a nurse, my dad, you yeah. know, a mechanic. Not the family that you would yeah. expect it to happen to. And I think people need to realize that that's the case. So the whole judging a book by its cover thing, I think it really opened my eyes to that because um people say some pretty awful things about addicts and people who have mental health issues and or they assume their background is twisted and dark Mm -hmm. it's not the case like it it affects all of us so i think in terms of mental health it just just like my eyes were really really opened they were half closed before but now now they're definitely open and i try not to judge anyone no matter what
0: yeah honestly yeah yeah it's interesting what you were saying there about uh, you don't know what people have been through like I often talk about this in coaching hurt people hurt people and yes, like and good. not that it's an excuse but just that understanding of it's not you it's them for the most totally. part totally yeah I saw this amazing comic the other day and it, it
1: what book was it in hmm oh you know what it's called you Are Awesome by Neil Pasricha. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's great. He just released it and it, it was a comic. Oh, and you had it on the show, didn't yes, you? Yes. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is how I meet my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still them off the show. Uh, and it was a comic and it was a person um, walking and it says what you think everyone is doing. And they're all staring at him. They're mm-hmm. all staring and they're pointing and they're judging. And then it's like what the world actually looks like. And it's everyone down with their heads in yeah, their yeah. phone caring about themselves yeah because we're focused on ourselves yeah particularly in North America yeah. we don't care so much about other people so if we're lashing out it's probably us just projecting our own insecurities and sadness onto that poor unfortunate individual who's taking it So you decide how you react to that right yeah there's times that I'm like, poor me why are you being so mean to me? why are you such a jerk? Why are you mad at me what have I done And then you yeah. have to take a step back and be like, What's going on with that person? Yeah. You don't have to be the person to go help them. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to be Mother Teresa, but maybe just you set, like you said, the understanding that I like that hurt people, hurt people. It's so true. Yeah. Or just even just saying, are you okay? Like, are you all good? Cause sometimes that's yeah. all it takes yeah. and they can say, you know, I know I'm having kind of a rough day yeah. and that's that. Then at least, you know, it's not you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you and your family have, have done something incredible with what, was a tragic loss so I think yeah th- I think thank you from all these oh. families out there who have benefited from that story being shared
1: I just yeah I hope I hope it has you never know I mean we did get some good messages I think a lot of kudos goes to my mom and, and my dad too but my mom really threw herself into the community and raising yeah. money for vulnerable individuals There's there's a place called the lighthouse she volunteers at now my brother had to stay there a few times um, so I think I still, I'm still learning from mom cause she, like I said, she's got that giving heart that, I mean, if you see your parents do it, you, you want to imitate yeah. the actions, right? So, well, yeah.
0: uh, we can link to the lighthouse in the show notes in case anyone wants to. That'd be to great. Yeah. To, yeah. It's, um,
1: just downtown Saskatoon and they help out people just in tough situations yeah. and it's temporary housing. Um, yeah. I, I know they're doing more now too. I'm not entirely sure. I've been gone now for three years, yeah. but that'd be wonderful. I know she volunteers there maybe
0: once a month? Maybe it's once a week. Should yeah. I get mad? I said once a month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all good. Well, you have so much to your history and yeah. we didn't even touch on the professional sports and we're probably not going to have time to, but um <laughs> as with everyone, we all have so many unique stories to us, but we're going to move into the final five questions yeah. I ask all my guests. So, we might have already touched on on some of it, but what are some of the things or the projects that get you fired up in a in a good way? <laughs> uh, specific projects? It, Whatever you want to talk about and share. Ooh. Oh, why didn't I prep for
1: this? Um get me fired up in a good way.
0: I know it gets me fired up in a bad way, so I always have to add that in a good way. Oh
1: yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, lots of things. I'm a pretty passionate person, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, don't don't do the fired up in a bad yeah, way. Yeah. Merging. Driving. Yeah politics. Um, fired up in a good way. You know that's kind of a tough one. I'm trying to think of Anything that involves a community coming together gets me fired up in a good way. So we're yeah. talking uh, ride the roof.
0: Like oh, yeah, if yeah. you've been to
1: ride the roof, it's just, it's like my dream to teach up there for that. Um, you know, all of these people come together, they raise money for a great cause, working together as one. And then sometimes the get rained on. <laughs> Yep. I got rained on last <laughs> year. Yeah. It was kind of magical yeah, in its own it looks way, great. right? That gets me fired up in a good way. Um, challenges. That I get told that I can't do, that gets me fired up in a good way. Yeah. Um, you you are not discouraging me. Let me tell you that. I yeah. I had a guidance counselor tell me I probably wouldn't get into Ryerson. Well, I got it because because you fired me up to work even harder on my yeah. portfolio. Um, marathoning. You know, I had a lot of naysayers when I told them I wanted to do the ultra marathons in the mountains. Well because you told me no, and not solely because you told me, yeah. it just, it gets me, it, it just gets me it going. Some more motivation. It does. Yeah. I'm a really competitive person. Um, so if you want me to do something, just tell me I can't do it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then maybe I can make it happen. Um, and I'm not so much competitive with others anymore. It's more so just myself. Yeah. Um, so anything that involves, I think really like fitness and community. Um, also I, and i i'm i haven't done anything with it but but writing yeah. projects just in general as much as it's you know me as a tv person you met me on a tv set um you see me in spin but my my strength is in writing yeah. um and i i have nothing in mind yet i've got a few projects that are just existing in my brain it's percolating yeah they're yeah. just they're just marinating in there yeah. um and i'm kind of excited because i i really want to produce something substantial you know, in the next couple of years that involves either a book or a manuscript or something like what you're doing, like a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just gives me kind of a sense of, of extra on top of, you know, just being the morning news host. I kind of want to show that I have other skills and other ranges. So, I don't know if that's so much fired up. as just kind of like excited yeah. for the well, future. Well, and it's
0: something that's your own as well. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, I just love writing and creating. Yeah. And it's it's gotten a little dusty. So. Yeah. I'm excited to see what this yeah. ends up being. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. I've got a few ideas. I just need to like work them out. Yeah. Yeah. That's and awesome. collaborations. They get me fired up. Yeah. Like I know so many cool people in yeah. the city. And there's just so many opportunities to work together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you said you're also a reader. What's mm-hmm. the most inspiring book you've read in the past couple of years? If it's a couple okay, books. Okay, so that's also I just fun. said it, but
1: you are awesome yeah. by Neil Pashricha. So, do you remember his first book was just The Book of the, Awesome? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was just this fun little book um that just like said awesome things like, Oh, when you walk into a house and it smells like home baking, yeah you know, when you get the last roll of the toilet paper, <laughs> things <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, that is awesome. Um, this book is not that at all. It is. And I think he's really trying to get away from kind of like the tongue in cheek stuff. Yeah. Um, it's a book of resilience. So he actually yeah. opens it up, um, talking about his, his mother who, um, had immigrated. Uh, I can't remember where from, but she, she is an immigrant and just, the trials and tribulations of her life and how resiliency is the key to success. Um, I think that maybe spoke to me because of what's happened to me in my life. Um, and then when I met him and he was so passionate about it, um, I think there's, I am so fortunate to meet authors who write books that I like, like I fangirl over authors. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, you said in the last five years, that one's tough because there's been some pretty great books, but in the last five months, yeah, I would say uh, pick up that book. It's really good. Or borrow it from the library or something. That's a good one. And I really enjoyed Girl, Wash Your Face. Yeah. I did really like that one. I wasn't actually as much a fan of the second one. Yeah. Stop apologizing. Yeah. Uh, The Girl, Wash Your Face. I I found it really kicked my butt into second gear for yeah. a little bit <laughs>
0: awesome yeah that's great awesome about the book of awesome yeah book. exactly there you, you are awesome <laughs> um i imagine there's some level of stress in everyone's lives and yeah. in yours as well how are, what's your go-to methods for handling stress um mine would be probably exercise yeah um running in particular uh
1: if i really need some time to think i will go for a run yeah uh, nothing in my ears, no music, like hearing my breath, reminding myself that my body can do pretty amazing things as mm-hmm. can everyone's. But I think it's just like feeling the gratitude of like working hard. Yeah. Um, that that's probably my number one. Uh, I do employ like the five breath tactic where mm-hmm. like, I'm a very, um, I am a very emotional person. I I realize that I, that word gets a lot of negative, you know, feedback, but emotional in the sense that I'm like, I'm really, really happy when I'm happy. And when I'm really sad, I'm really, really sad. So sometimes I recognize that they're fleeting. Yeah. (laughs) Emotions can be fleeting. So if I'm really, really frustrated, which happens, you know, often I just stop and I take five massive breaths. I've done it in traffic. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. It's, it's so simple, but it's, so amazing yeah. so i mean the running is a is a bigger fix um and you know reading is a good one for me and exercise yeah. is a big one though yeah. but that breathing is like if you need it in the moment take it my my last one is listening to music yeah yeah i've got you know the amazon alexa and i'll yeah. i'll literally be like alexa play soothing acoustic music <laughs> yeah. and she will
0: <laughs> i got nervous there because yeah oh. yeah <laughs> She might hear me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. Uh, no, I regularly employ the five breath. I've yes. many times well, had a screaming toddler yes. outside the bathroom door and I'm like, no, I just five, five breaths. breaths. Just five. I can still hear you, but I still
1: need five breaths. And like big ones. You have yeah. to take big. It's not like, <sighs> it's it's like full in until you can't pull in anymore and yeah. out and your body just releases well, something. Well, it's
0: nuts when you're stressed how you're breathing mm-hmm. just yep, up in you're your throat. tight. Your shoulders yeah. are
1: tight. I always make my class. Um, shake it out before class yeah just say shake off your day take a couple breaths roll out your shoulders yeah now let's go yeah
0: so yeah awesome um we may have touched on this but what's the best life lesson you've learned or advice that you've been given Ooh. yeah i
1: guess in ways we covered it i'm trying to think of like narrowing it down to one life lesson um i mean I'm really, really people-oriented. So I think mine won't come down to something like smart and that you can put into one sentence, but I think look around and see who you surround yourself with because you draw the best aspects of the people around you. So I have friends who I draw their strength. I have friends who I draw their empathy. I have friends who I draw... Um, you know, their kindness and their caring and some of them, their sassiness and their assertiveness and their ability to lead a crowd. Yeah. Um, so surround yourself with people who you admire and don't worry about the rest. Yeah. Right. Because I spent a lot of my life being concerned about whatever other, others thought of me. Um, but really it's those people around you that care what they think about you. Yeah. Because you admire them and you, you want to rise or sorry. Um, you want to support them and rise with them. So, you know, I would never go, I'm, you know, raw, raw, I'm a feminist or anything like that, but I do have feminism ideals. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that quote, empowered women, empower women. Right. Yeah. So, you know, love the men too, but I got to say like my sisters and my, my yeah. girls around me, they're so amazing. And, um, I think just like find your tribe and like, hold on to it. Yeah. And, um, when you need them, they'll be there for you. And when they need you, be there for them just as strong as you need it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's funny, like I can tell that that is your values purely from your Instagram feed, if nothing <laughs> else, like your friends are such a key part of your life. They're right? so great. There's, yeah. I have such, like my friends are the best. Yeah. I,
1: like I said to you at the start of the interview, I've been so lucky. I don't know what it is, but like, I couldn't say enough good things about the people that are around me. And we all have people that we don't get along with. Yeah. Um, don't feel bad cutting them loose. Yeah maybe they are stressed out being with you. You know, we're not all going to get along. That's human nature. Um, so it's something I've had to work on a lot because I, I am naturally a people pleaser.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think to be a morning show host, sometimes you kind of have to be a people pleaser, but it's actually my fiance who, who says to me always, you know, give less Fs. If you know what I'm saying, you gotta, you gotta care less. Yeah. And to that, I say, you know what, I'm not going to care less. I'm like, but I'm going to get the people that are you know, care, you're going to care more about the right things. Yes, yeah. that's such a good way to put it. You know, yeah. and the other stuff, just push it to the side because actually kick it right out the door. Don't push it to the side because it might come back later. You know, it's it's okay to lose things that aren't healthy for you in your life.
0: Yeah. Okay, second to last question that yeah. I'm adding in here. If I take one of your spin classes, will I die? <laughs> As someone who is not a regular Medically, spinner. Medically, no. no. Medically, definitely not. I got your back on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, You
1: will have so much fun, okay. Victoria. You will have so much fun and you will love the music. There's flashing lights. So it's kind of like being in a nightclub. Yep. But we all know I'm not clubbing anymore. So <laughs> it's like my own version. Yeah, it's exhausting. Okay. But it's... It's so fun. And if you come, I'm forcing you in the front row. Oh, God. I was about to say, if you're a newbie, <laughs> where do you sit? Like, go the newbie's the got to hang out with me in the front. <laughs> and then you can see everything. Uh, here's <sighs> the thing. You will not find a, a group of more accepting people. I know yeah. it's a very intimidating room. Yeah. I am, like, very aware of that. Yeah. But we are just so pumped to have you yeah. in the room and, like, you know, support you. Yeah. And it's I always say to my class, I say, this is your ride. This isn't yeah. my ride. Like, this isn't my workout. This is your workout. Yeah. So whatever I can do to make it better,
0: yeah. let's do it. I've done spin once and I think I was just embarrassed cuz like my feet kept like slipping out of the shoes oh no. kept slipping out of the things I'm but like you I don't just set know up what right. Yeah. It's so much fun.
1: I think um yeah. never judge a spin class by your first maybe second or third one. <laughs> okay. Get into it because once you talk to those people that are like hooked Yeah. Uh, they'll probably say the same thing. I don't know many people that go to the first one and they're like this is it. This yeah. is my workout. Yeah. I don't think anyone is naturally good at spin.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah. I will maybe, I, got you. I will think about that. <laughs> Perfect. That's one <laughs> step closer to the spin yeah. room. And the final question, Joel, is what does it mean to you to live your best life?
1: To live my best life. Mm, I think we're all chasing contentment. So to live my best life, um, I think I will be so happy if I have my family nearby, my friends nearby rooting for my rise and I'll root for theirs as well. Um, Traveling the world. I, yeah, if I'm going to live my best life, I've got to see all of the cultures, all of the world. Um, and and loving really deeply. I, I've struggled with that one. I, you know, as I'm an extrovert for sure. Um, I love being around people. I love drawing from their energy. Um, but I tend to have a bit of a wall. So mm-hmm. you may think you know me, but you haven't cracked through that. So like living my best life, I think, is like lowering that wall a bit and just like feeling everything. And and also just thinking of how to put this. And also I think living my best life is helping others live their best life as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's what I'm trying to
0: get across. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much, Joelle, for You're joining welcome. us on the podcast. Yeah. It's so wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to the Girl Tries Life podcast today. If you have been enjoying the podcast, please, please, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. It takes two seconds of your time, but it makes such an impact on me. I absolutely love seeing them. It also helps us to bring in new guests in the future because one of the things, especially international, that they're looking at is how many people listen, rate, and review your podcast. So if you want to help us to get some big guests on this podcast, please head on over and rate and review. Thank you so much for your time this week. And I can't wait to catch up with you next week for a coaching episode. All the best.